0: Retirement Tips Radio is brought to you by Business Radio X, the voice of business in your community. Currently serving over 25 markets, the Business Radio X network is growing fast. We're teaming up with retired execs and established entrepreneurs to support and celebrate local business leaders. If you'd like to make additional income while making a difference, discover more at BRX Team com. Now, here's your host.
1: Welcome to Retirement Tips Radio. Stone Hi. Peyton here with you this afternoon, and you are in for a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Portia Capital Management, Miss Michelle Connell. Good afternoon, Michelle.
2: Hi, Stone. Thanks for having me today.
1: Well, it is an absolute delight having you on the show. Can you give our listeners just a a little bit of a primer, an overview, mission and purpose for Porsche Capital Management? What are you out there trying to do for folks?
2: I am trying to preserve capital and mitigate risk on the downside, and that has seemed to be a good place to be, especially with the COVID. And even though markets have seemed to uh, bounce back, I think that's still going to be important to people and the foundations and charity that I serve uh, going forward, especially as we're trying to figure out how long it's going to take us to recover from this virus.
1: So tell us a little bit about your backstory. It sounds like very rewarding work. How does a person land where where you seem to have landed?
2: Hmm. Let's see. Lots of zigging and zagging. Always knew that I wanted to be a portfolio manager. Uh, Born and raised on the West Coast, first job at graduate school was taking a museum out of bankruptcy and managing their nine endowments. So that's where I became uh, had an affinity for helping charities and foundations meet their missions. Uh, Was the head of technology for Wells Fargo's private client services during the tech bubble, and then worked for a private equity and distressed debt firm up in Chicago, and then landed in Texas, the place of growth up until recently, and uh, started teaching uh, at UT, University of Texas, and opened up my own firm serving clients that are high net worth, as well as the foundations and charities. So I'm, I've always been
1: curious because it strikes me as a as a as a real challenge to get in substantive conversation with a prospective high net worth client. Is that did you crack the code on on sales and marketing to even have those conversations, or how how are you able to to even get in front of folks like that?
2: Uh, probably. Like everyone else, it's a work in progress. It's—I don't know that it's ever easy. Uh, I think up until recently it was very difficult because everybody thought they had the answer, right? We had a market that was just booming along up until March, and people were okay with just putting money into indexes and Fidelity, excuse me, Fidelity and Vanguard. But I think even before we got into this crisis, more people that had amassed amassed enough money and were getting closer to 50 or the other side of it were saying, you know, I've done really well putting together this nest egg. I don't want to lose it. I need some help. So even though the markets come back, people are still having those concerns And they want to have conversations about capital preservation and knowing that they have some, um, some certainty, which is even more important in a period like this. I might be
1: asking for generalizations that don't exist, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask anyway, do you find that high net worth individuals or people who are clearly going to be high net worth individuals? do you see patterns among them or a different mindset or, you know, do they think or behave differently in in some ways in your experience?
2: I think most of them are very disciplined. Uh, Typically more often than not, they are highly educated and or have an entrepreneurial mindset. And they understand that even if they're making a lot of money, at this point in time, that that lifestyle is not set in stone. And so they're willing to make a plan and do what they need to do to put money away. Now, make the sacrifices so that they have that lifestyle for themselves and their family going forward. So they want a plan. They want to take every method possible to squirrel away money so that they
1: have that peace of mind. And do you find, well, I got to say, I find it fascinating that in many cases, I'm operating under the impression that you are working maybe with um, not just an individual, but a significant other or a, or a spouse. That must really uh, involve some, some interesting conversations and must require of you some pretty strong facilitation skills. (laughs) huh?
2: I will say it this way. My experience uh, now it's 10 years teaching between University of Texas. And I also have taught uh, the uh, CFA or their Chartered financial analyst designation in Texas for 10 years. Being an educator in a formal setting has served me well in an informal setting and with clients, because not only are you educating, it requires a lot of patience and, that, and that's that's good, right? Because we're supposed to be there to help our clients and give them that peace of mind, number one. And number two, help them stick to that plan because, believe me, in March, I had a lot of people that wanted to jump and go into cash. And if you look at the mm. sti- statistics, there are a lot of people that were over 50 that lived through the mortgage crisis that did just that right at the most inappropriate time to go and liquidate everything. So it, it's part education, it's part therapist, and I think it's part saint uh, having, having to develop that patience level.
1: So what do you day-to-day f- find to be your biggest challenge in executing on, on your mission and, and doing the work you want to do? What's the What's the biggest challenge you think?
2: Especially lately, given how much data is available. I mean, we went from a situation where I constantly was getting inputs from sell side, meaning you know, people that are trying to get me to buy their investment products from them, whether it's uh, a mutual fund or an alternative asset, because I delve in that world. I do things for clients, uh, not just foundations, but private equity, private debt, because that's where I can add some value. But I just feel like somebody put a fire hose of data in my mouth during this period of time. And up until recently, from about when we hit the lows of the market until about the beginning of July, I was, everybody had a a conference call every single day. So you could spend your entire day and evenings just bombarding your head with all these facts and figures and being so overwhelmed that you became paralyzed to make a decision. That's been the really hard part to know what's valuable information, put the rest aside and also trust your gut. Because if you've lived through this a few times, which I have, I lived through the tech bubble and the the burst of that. I lived through the mortgage crisis and, watched a lot of firms, including mine, get sold to another firm in New York. You know, your gut tells you when you need to be patient. And sometimes being inactive requires the most patience versus when you see markets (laughs) screaming ahead and there are 10 stocks that are now 17% of the market cap of the S&P and you're going, I just can't buy into this right now. I can be patient and I can do a lot better for my clients, but it's really hard, you know, stone to say, I'm not going to act. You keep accumulating that data, but you want to do the right thing for your client, but you can't act yet. That's really, that's when you have to have the most patience.
1: Well, we're starting to touch on it already, but I'll just ask him and get as granular as you feel like is appropriate. But with, well, let me tell our listening audience. For those of you who are listening to this conversation, uh, it's, it's a crazy time right now. We are actually broadcasting this conversation and recording it. So if you're listening to this in, in 2021, 2022, uh, Michelle and I, I am in a home studio conducting this interview. We're not in a studio. We're neck deep right in the middle of this COVID-19 thing. We're on a Zoom room doing this interview. And and so I want you guys to have that context if you're listening to this in the future. Uh, But Michelle, with specific respect to to COVID-19, I'm operating under the impression that this is affecting retirement. Is that true? And if so, how is this affecting retirement and those of us who may be beginning to look at retirement?
2: Well, when you have 50% of the population in the United States that are employed by small businesses, and half of small business CEOs or owners are saying that they don't know what their revenues are going to look like, not six months out, they don't even know what they're going to be a year out. So that means you have 25% of the population that are with employers at risk. We're starting to see more layoffs from the bigger companies in the last few weeks before we started coming into the earnings season for the second quarter. I think is uh, more the stimulus wears off and maybe there is more that is added because we have to. It may... You can have stimulus and and that gives support, but that does not provide revenue. And when you don't have revenue, that means a lot of people are going to lose jobs. And if you are close to retirement, i.e. 50 or above, and you lose your job, there's Mm. a 9 out of 10 chance that when you get a new job, it's going to be paying less than what you earned before. So combine that fact with you're trying to save for retirement and you were probably behind anyway because of 2008, 2009, you kind of got to where you're feeling more comfortable and maybe you're one of the many that their job has been eliminated and or will be eliminated. And if you're older, you're probably not going to get paid what you got paid before and you have a lot of catching up to do at the same time. It's a really difficult situation to be in. So a lot of people obviously are pushing their retirement out. They're looking at ways to uh, supplement their income, maybe have a side gig so that they can continue to contribute to you know that reti- those retirement funds that they need but they don't know, you know if they're going to be able to stay on track to what they had originally planned. Uh,
1: that last 10 years, as, as you described, that that's supposed to be your, your, as my dad would say, your haymaking, right? I mean, that's yeah. really an important interval in the whole process, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but when I read that a couple of weeks ago, because I do a lot of research and I do a lot of writing, And I wrote an article recently or gave an interview recently specifically for women, retirement and COVID. And by the way, women are even hit harder with their retirement because of COVID because Hmm. they're the caregivers, right? So daycare is having issues like uh, half of the daycares that I know in this area because I work with a charity in this area that provides daycare to middle class and marginalized Half of those daycares are gone right now. What's that going to look like at, you know, just the end of the year? So you've got that piece. More women are, you know, scrambling to find that childcare and provide that education. And, or they're helping to take care of a parent, making sure that their parents are okay. And at the same time, they're trying to juggle their job. And they've We've always had less retirement than men because we earn less. We work uh, a lower period of time or a less period of time during our lives because we are caregivers. And now this is thrown into the mix. So for women, it's going to be even a tougher hit for their retirement.
1: You're a practitioner. You're an instructor. You're a (laughs) human being who has financial needs like the rest of us. (laughs) Where do you go for your inspiration, your education, your um, your own personal and professional development,
2: Ooh, a number of places, because all that's basically where I spend my spare time. It's yeah. either uh, re- providing research to other people, reading research, or on my bike in the heat of Texas summer <laughs> heat of Texas, which yesterday. Was 111 with the heat index, so that's Whoa. my sweet. Um, you know, I a lot of the research I get is <clears throat> from Wall Street. Um, I, but you know, I obviously take that with a grain of salt because they want you to continue to to buy, right? That serves mm. them. You know, right. they don't want you to. Everybody and up until the last few weeks. You know, sky's the limit on stocks. Keep buying, keep buying, keep buying. And that's not just for retail investors. That was being pushed to institutional investors as well. And it still is. Even today, I listen to some research from a very well-known prestigious firm. It's like, well, you can't buy bonds. So don't worry about the valuations of stocks. Just keep pumping it in. So that means you have to start finding independent research uh, and I spend a lot of time doing that. So uh, like yesterday, I was looking at the most recent studies by McKinsey that are talking about all the sectors of the economy that are going to be feeling at the hardest from COVID and how small businesses especially are going to be hit. So I try to balance out Wall Street with independent research that doesn't have a uh, their own agenda
1: tied to it. Well, and that's one of the key benefits of teaming up with someone who has specialized knowledge and, and experience and expertise like you do. This is 24 seven for you almost like you're, you're out on your bike, but you're still, you're thinking about this stuff, right? I mean, this is what you do where I might be off trying to figure out how to host or, or sell another radio show. You're thinking about this stuff so I don't have to, right?
2: Well, um, I wish I could say it's otherwise, but if you care about the, the future of your clients and their peace of mind, and you do get to a point if you have a soul that you want to take care of them. So the majority of my life right now is tied to my desk and it's probably not an exaggeration, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day easy six days a week, uh, up until recently, seven days. And I know I'm not alone. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not a martyr. It's just what's required. But I remember the first two months of the COVID calling analysts in New York, I was calling them from Dallas, Fort Worth, calling people on a Sunday and asking their input about a decision I was making And they were available, Stone. They were at their desk as well, Mm. despite the fact that they had families, you know, to talk to and they should be out enjoying. But they were just trying to do the best they can as well to take care of their clients. So you're exactly right. It's a 24-7 career. And I I enjoy it because there's always new uh, information out there. And probably I, I like getting it right. So.
1: Well, and I wanted to make sure that I asked you that as well, because I asked you early in the conversation, what was maybe one or two of the biggest challenges, but what are you finding the most rewarding about the work?
2: Getting it right. That's, <laughs> that's what, that's why I enjoy it. I guess that's a competitive side. You have to be competitive in this industry because there are so many people that put, it's very easy to say you're a financial advisor. You can just yeah. go pass a Series Seven exam that's six hours, and say I'm an expert. I can give the example of the man who baked my wedding cake back in the day. Called me six months after my wedding, and he said, "Hi, I'm working for such and such. I think it was Smith Barney, and I'd like to be your financial advisor." And I said, <laughs> "Hmm, didn't you bake my wedding cake?" And he goes, "Yes, I did," but I said, "You." bake some really good French pastries. He goes, I know, but I wasn't making enough at it. So now I'm a financial advisor. It's very easy for someone to call themselves an expert in my field. That's the most frustrating thing. So before you talk to somebody and before (laughs) you assume that they have the knowledge, start digging, look at their background, look at their education, make sure that they have a deep background in finance. I'm not saying somebody necessarily with a CFA, which it would help, but look for somebody that has credentials and that has the experience and also look at their filings with FINRA and to make sure that they've done things in the best interest of their clients because there's some nice databases out there that people forget to look at and then get hurt.
1: Well, that's really a great way to sort of go out on this conversation is, is I would like very much to leave our listeners with, um, some practical tips, a path, some hope. I know at, at one point in the, in the conversation, you mentioned the idea of maybe a, a, a side hustle, and now you're talking about, uh, the diligence that, that one needs to exercise if they are going to team up with a professional advisor. Could you share with us, and I don't know if you want to do it in the form of some do's and don'ts, or just um, something to help people during this time to try to help them get prepared for, for what's ahead. Any, any counsel you have to offer in that regard would be greatly appreciated.
2: Um, I would repeat the fact. Go to FINRA, okay? Anybody that's a mm. broker or has mm. a registered investment advisory firm like me, we have to do annual filings for, through the SEC and FINRA every year. If there is a complaint against someone like me or my, uh, a firm like mine, it is there. Okay, so look there. A lot of people don't, Stone, and I am surprised that I've known people with $45 million just handed over to somebody that committed fraud 10 years ago, mm. and, and they didn't look. And these are highly educated people. So do your due diligence there. Number two, don't just sit there when you're talking to somebody and take the sales spiel. Come with questions in hand and not only have questions at that point, but have questions throughout the conversation and after you hire them. I think the thing that I'm the most proud of and I've said this to my foundations in the beginning for board meetings, the phone was silent. No one asked any questions. Now, everybody asks questions because they've been educated. So, your job as a person that has investments is to become educated and ask those questions. Otherwise, you're going to get what you deserve if you're not educated and you just assume somebody's going to take care of you. It's your responsibility too. You don't just hand it over to them. It's a partnership.
1: Sounds like a little bit of tough love, but uh, it sounds like marvelous counsel. Thank you for for sharing that with us. If someone would like to reach out and connect with you and have a conversation with you or someone on your team, what is the the best way, whatever you think is appropriate, whether it's email or LinkedIn or or website, what's the best way for them to, to reach out and learn more?
2: Well, uh, I am on LinkedIn as well as my firm. My name is Michelle Connell, and I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth. My firm's name is Porsche Portia, P-O-R-T-I-A. Sorry, guys, not like the car, but <laughs> Porsche, Merchant of Venice. And my website is wwwportia P-O-R-T-I-A, hyphen, the word capital, dot com,
1: Well, Michelle Connell with Porsche Capital Management, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story and thank you for uh, helping us inform our listeners. This has been marvelous.
2: Thank you, Stone. I hope I helped at least one person.
1: All right. This is Stone Payton for our guest today, Michelle Connell, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Retirement Tips Radio.
0: retirement tips radio is brought to you by business radio x the voice of business in your community currently serving over 25 markets the business radio x network is growing fast we're teaming up with retired execs and established entrepreneurs to support and celebrate local business leaders if you'd like to make additional income while making a difference Discover more at brxteam.com.